you know, one thing I guess I took away from all of this was just the journey that Coach Peichel has had. He kind of, I would say, built the program to where it is today from his bare hands. And um, the culture that he created for the players, for the fans, um, that's something I feel like none of us are going to forget for a while. And like, like I said before, it's I think it's just the beginning. I think now... After seeing what a team like Rutgers can do uh, on the big stage, a lot more players might want to come here and play. Um, yes, there are a lot of questions, but I think one thing that excites me more is the hope and the future of this team uh, and just to see where they can go. I mean, there's a lot of possibilities, but I think we're all excited for what's to come, no matter um, you know if we can predict it or not. Yeah, historic is definitely a good way to put, you know, this season's run. And also when you look at Steve Peichel and, you know, who he recruited to come to Rutgers, he brought Aquazi Aboa with him from Stony Brook, uh, but he was already a little bit older and a little bit deeper into his career. He brought this kid from New Hampshire who no one really knew about. Um, you know, that turned into be Geo Baker, the captain of the Rutgers team, one of the best players that this program has ever seen. You know, was right, and it was right along Coach Peichel, you know, this whole process and was, you know, super formative in helping this team become what it was. And, you know, regardless of what happens next year with any of those three players, with J.Y., Miles Johnson, Geo Baker, they've already left the groundwork for guys like Paul Mulcahy to step up, guys like Jaden Jones to start their careers, and, you know, Moat Mag, Oscar Palmquist, all of the younger guys. Um, you know, this is this is what they've been working for. But when it comes to the immediate future, I could kind of see Paul Mulcahy taking that next almost Geo Baker-like step into the forefront of Rutgers basketball. I, I think it's kind of – it's kind of bizarre because you have this weird situation where um, because of the pandemic, the NCAA granted athletes the option to take an extra year of eligibility, which it's great that they did that. Um, but it, it adds so much uncertainty, not just for us as fans, but for the coaching staff and, you know, even for the players. Like, we don't know. For all we know, we could have Geo Baker and Miles Johnson back with an improved Ron Harper Jr., Paul Mulcahy, Montez Mathis. Um and, you know, the team could be even better than they were this year. Uh, although you have the big question mark of who fills a role of Jacob Young. And I think that we're going to have one or two grad transfers that are going to make an impact next year. Um, and, you know, the uncertainty of who that is or where they'll come from is something that I, th I think is going to be fascinating to watch as the offseason progresses. But, um, you know, at the same time, if Geo and Miles both leave, um, and you know, there are like three or four holes in this roster left from last year, you know, it may not be as easy as, you know, Rutgers fans are hoping to get back to the tournament right away. I hope I'm wrong, but it's possible we see them, you know, they won't be awful, but they, I don't think it's necessarily a given that they'll be as good next year as they were this year. I don't, I don't know. That's just the way I see it. I'm going to need some more Cliff Omarui threes next year. Um, <laughs> yes, uh, that yeah, was I like a pleasant surprise. That yeah, was the only I mean, good thing that came out of that game. Yeah, I was at that game and that was, that was definitely the best part of it for me. Um, but no, he's probably one of the players I'm most excited about to see his development. You know, he was obviously a top 50 recruit in the nation last year, the best player in New Jersey, huge for Rutgers to get him. Um, and he came out his first season and he was a little raw, you know, he wasn't really that polished player that I think a lot of people were expecting when they saw where he was in terms of his recruiting rankings. Um, but he's done a very good job in the role that he's been in, you know, 
kind of being the guy to keep Miles out of foul trouble in a way. And I think he's gotten better as the season has progressed. And I think a full off season with uh, Coach Peichel and Rutgers, a full off season that will most likely not be affected by the pandemic, um, is going to be huge for him. So uh, his sophomore season should be an exciting time. But uh, yeah, Cliff is definitely one of the big things that could develop for Rutgers uh, in the coming years. Well, I think, you know, I'm very high on Cliff's uh, ceiling. I mean, I think this is a guy who I think by his junior year is going to be better than Miles Johnson is right now. I'm talking about someone that could go down as, you know, by the time he's a junior and a senior, like as an elite big in the Big Ten. And that's like some pretty elite company to be up with. But I think one way or another, if Miles leaves, you know, priority number one has to be find a big in the transfer portal. Um, someone from the mid-major level who, you know, really shown and wants to move up to the next level. Someone, you know, from another power school that um, looking for another opportunity. I don't care where they come from. Rutgers needs more interior depth. That's like, if, for, if I'm Steve Peichel, that's priority numero uno this offseason. Yeah, Rutgers See. definitely needs more depth in the in the in the front court for sure. Uh, like I said, I love what I saw from Cliff. Um, I feel like, you know, after Cliff and Miles in the front court, there's really no one that can guard the five position, and uh, those two guys are both kind of known for foul trouble. So we, even if Miles doesn't leave, I still think we need to build on that depth in the front court, and then. Specifically at the main point guard position, the ball at the ball handler position, losing Jacob Young, the dominant ball guard of this team, the dominant point guard of this team, uh, that's big. I think Paul Mulcahy can step up into that role, but we don't have many uh, true guards. Uh, we have a lot of wings, but not not as many guards. Paul Mulcahy, really one of the uh, only ones that I could think of off the top of my head. That's or just a pure guard on this team. Yeah, Mike, you bring up Jacob Young, and, you know, he did such a presence on defense. You know, with his speed, he was able to lead the Big Ten in steals, and, you know, a lot of those steals turned into fast-break layups or just transition points for Rutgers, and we know Rutgers was great uh, for transition offense. So, you know, losing a guy like Jacob Young is, he just has such a unique style of play, whether that's, you know, his attitude that he brings to the court you know, it's his defensive presence. It's his offensive presence. Um, his speed is paralleled. You know, he's second to no one when it comes to his speed. His energy. His energy is unmatched. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you can't, you know, he's the guy that's constantly smiling on the court. He'll clap in your face when he's on defense, but he backs that up and gets steals. So, you know, that's just such a unique player that I don't even know how you fill those shoes because that is just such a, a special, unique type of player. And that rubs off on everyone on the, on the team, too. No question. Um, that That's going to be an interesting hole to fill. Um, just because, uh, not just, you know, Jacob Young, good score, good defender, but like that energy, that kind of aggressiveness, that's not really something you can teach. And you, you could get a, a, a guard who has the talent of Jacob Young on both ends of the floor, but maybe doesn't have that same attitude. Um, and I'm kind of curious to see how that would mesh in. Um, and also, we haven't even talked about 
we've been on the air for 15 minutes. We haven't even talked about, you know, the freshmen because, um, you know, with a limited non-conference slate, they didn't really see the floor too, too much. But, you know, I'm looking to see guys like Oscar Palmquist step up a little bit. Watt Mag, uh, Dean Reber. Like, I want to see these guys take steps. I'm not expecting any of them to start or anything like that. But, you know, slowly start to put it together. And I think that's going to be an interesting uh, uh, evolution, so to speak. Chris, with the limited time play uh, of those few freshmen, I'm just curious, can any of them take a red shirt for this year? Oh, no, it's free year eligibility. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, they could theoretically stay another four years. And that was probably part of, you know, that, the fact that Rutgers had eight players, an eight-man rotation, all of that kind of contributed to, you know, the freshmen not getting as much time. Because keep in mind, the last time Rutgers had a freshman class that was more than one person, it was when, you know, the team was coming off back-to-back three and 15 years. And, you know, the freshmen were still better than, you know, who else was in those roles. Now that's not really the case. Um, but, you know, Steve Peichel talks about how great this uh, freshman class is going to be. And I tend to take his word for it, given what he's done to this program. So I think it's going to be interesting to sort of wait and see how they develop. I think that's going to be that and filling the the role of whoever leaves. That's going to be the big question mark of this offseason for Rutgers. Yeah, I got to say, I'm definitely excited to see uh, Jaden Jones. You know, we got to see a little glimpses of him towards the end of the season, but he comes in with a lot of potential. He's got the physicals. He's a six, eight guard. You know, he's someone who, can be ball dominant, someone who can score. And, you know, as he develops and becomes a better college player, I think he's going to do a, I think he's going to be a big part of uh, coming in and replacing, you know, the older guards in the program, such as, you know, guys who might not come back like Geo Baker, but also people like Caleb McConnell, who's a junior now um, in terms of eligibility, I believe. So definitely excited to see Jaden Jones, who was able to get some reps in his free year of eligibility. So it'll be nice to see him as an actual college freshman this year. We also haven't talked about Jalen Miller either. Cause you know, I right. think Jones got more attention cause he enrolled early, but Jalen Miller, um, you know, another prospect that's gotten a lot of hype. Um, and you know, it's going to be, it's, I, I think it's going to be kind of exciting to see like all these young players, you know, start to fill the shoes of guys like Jacob Young and um, you know, to what extent they're going to be in the rotation next year. I'm not sure, but that's kind of exciting to get some youth into the, into the fold again. And uh, I think there's still time, you know, for Steve Peichel to make additions to this class, whether it be through the transfer portal or still, there's still time to add high school recruits to this class. I'm not sure how many, scholarships are still available but uh i know steve peichel will always do his uh his wizard math skills with the scholarships and uh make them available to those you know to those necessary for his team yeah i i think that's going to be an interesting uh storyline to see so um All right, that's going to take us to our first break. We're going to come back with Locks of the Week. Uh, So we'll take a break. We'll come on the WRSU Crew Wednesday edition. Myself, Gideon Fox, along with Kyra Pallon, Chris Sakonis, Mike Nichols, and Dylan McCoy. You know, this is our favorite segment. We get to talk about the hypothetical monopoly money 
we like to spend on sports. But Dylan, you want to start us off tonight? Yes, I will. My lock of the week this week is going to be a team I see getting severely disrespected. Uh, and that's the Brooklyn Nets. And, you know, oftentimes it's hard to disrespect a team that is going to probably have James Harden tonight. But the Nets are plus 11.5 against Utah. Now, I understand Utah's a great team, but the Nets are also a great team. They're one of the best teams in basketball. They've been playing hot. And I think this game is going to be closer than 11.5 points. So. You can put me down for Nets plus 11.5 as my lock of the week. Yeah, Dylan, I, uh, I love that pick. That's something that's definitely going to be on my card tonight. But my uh, lock of the week, I've, something I've been doing is these player performance doubles on uh, on FanDuel. And one thing I those saw. Are good. Really, those are good. I like yeah. those. I like those. I got I got a nice little parlay. I'll send a picture in the group chat. But uh, my lock for the player performance levels is uh, the Grizzlies game. I know the Grizzlies are seven-point favorites against the OKC Thunder. And Jonas Valachunas is 50-plus points and Memphis to win, plus 134. He's a, he's a guy that gets a double-double every night. You know, 15 points and the Grizzlies to win. They're seven-point favorites. I really like those odds. Especially at plus money. Definitely at plus money. And I could give my next. I'm going to have to look at the NHL, obviously, and go to the Buffalo Sabres versus Pittsburgh Penguins. The Buffalo Sabres are riding a 14-game losing streak, uh, one of the worst in NHL history and in sports history. Um, and they're taking on the Penguins who have, you know, they're, they're a good team. Um, they have 19 wins this year. Not one of the best teams in the, in the country right now, but against the Sabres, any team is is looking pretty good. So I'm taking the over under on that. I'm going to take the over at plus 100. The over set at the over under set at six. Um, so at plus 100, I'm taking the over, just because I just see the Pittsburgh Penguins, you know, keeping their foot on the gas the entire game and running the and running the Buffalo Sabres off the ice. Not a good season for the Sabres this year, huh? No, not at all. Did you see that newspaper that ranked them worse than the Seattle Kraken? Really? That's hilarious. Oh, I saw this. I saw this. That that was funny. And it was a Buffalo newspaper, too. Like, it wasn't some random, you know, it's, oh, it's in your course. own city. Of course it was a Buffalo newspaper. I mean, at least Jeff, Jeff Skinner finally scored a goal. I mean, I know it was against the Devils. He got robbed twice that game, but guy's been overly due. Um, kind of hope the Sabres get back, back on track, but Jack Eichel out, that's not going to... I don't know how that's looking. All right. Um, I'm going to go uh, pretty deep into the well here for this. I've got a college basketball pick uh, in the uh, CBI Invitational Championship game. We got Coastal Carolina against Pepperdine uh, down in Daytona Beach. Coastal Carolina favored by four. Uh, I like Devontae Jones. He's a guy who's shooting almost 50% uh, from, from uh, the floor. Um, and, you know, down low, Coastal Carolina has a size, has a rebounding prowess that uh, Pepperdine just doesn't have. So um, I know there's a lot of money riding on the CBI Invitational Championship game. Uh, I'm going uh, Pepperdine minus four. Chris, I can't believe you picked a college basketball game in the middle of March and you managed to miss somehow both miss both March Madness and the NIT. 
Well, well, hang on. College basketball invitational. Well, hang on. But this game is being played tonight, you see. I don't want to give it. I don't want to give a pick that's like four days out, you know? No, that's that's the only reason, like, that's just hilarious to me. There's something there's something inherently amusing about picking like the most unexpected game that's on no one else's radar. Yeah, someone on WRSU has made a recent career out of that. Well, no, no, his pick, Troy's picks are different because Troy will uh, pick based on mascots. It's like it could be like an important game, like. But who, who's loyal Chicago playing uh, this uh, in the Sweet Sixteen? Uh, Oregon State. Space. I can't wait. to Oregon see Oregon State. Game. All right. Oh. So who are you gonna take? A Rambler or a Beaver? Like that's Troy's check. I just went for sheer randomness there. I, I backed I off you. of the uh, Greek national team World Cup qualifier because I want to bore you to death. But that was my second pick. So, that's uh, that that's playing in uh, that game. Oh, Greek soccer. Um, yeah, I would oh. stay away from that. <laughs> I was gonna they're say, like was they're kind of like or... yeah. The best oh oh lose is an understatement. The best analogy I could have for that team is they're kind of like the Rutgers football of European soccer. They were bad for decades. They got this defensive coach in the two thousands. They were really good for a decade, and then they went back to being awful. Except Rutgers now has a good coach, whereas Greece is still languishing in mediocrity. But that's my Greek soccer rant. Uh, K.O.R., we'll talk about this more tonight at 9 on Polar FC. Nice plug. I, I try Chris, my best. Chris, you don't you don't like the mascot, the, uh, mascot bet? Setting off the mascot? Um, that's my go-to. I find it a bit unscientific. It... it, it Listen, I've had recent luck. I took I took the Oregon State Beavers to upset the Volunteers. I felt like a Beaver would would beat a Volunteer in a fight, mm. so uh, I took the Beaver. That's fair. That's fair. It, it it works sometimes, but I mean, like, oh, yeah, you'd have to you pay know. someone to fight a Beaver. You can't just get a Volunteer. <laughs> it, it works sometimes. Well, I mean, they'll just give the money right in a McDonald's there. bag. This is Tennessee we're talking about here. Oh, that's true. <laughs> kind of walked into that one, Dylan. I mean, I, but. I mean, I'm not a Tennessee fan, so it doesn't hurt me. <laughs> yeah, but all right, remember, Pepper Nine minus four, lock it in. Remember when uh Tennessee uh got mad about Greg Shiano? Yeah. Oh, that, that was, was so crazy. bad. And then the guy they hired no, no, over him got great. fired. That was, it was great. great for us, but it was like bad from like uh you have a better coach and you rejected him for Jeremy Pruitt. Like You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. Oh, exactly. Well, maybe he just wasn't SEC material. They like to, they like to uh talk about how good they are. You know, maybe Jeremy Pruitt was just more SEC material getting fired after like three years or two years or whatever. That program is such a poverty program these days. I mean, what do they expect though? They're literally if I were in the SEC, it, that's not Alabama and Florida is like awful every single season now. Well, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't quite say that. 
Um, All right. Well, the LSU only re- will have the only reason LSU. Okay, but Dylan, something. the only reason why LSU like took such a big drop is because all of the seniors, all the people, all of, I'm stumbling on my words. All of the starters on their team that didn't graduate from last year opted out. That was why they were like if if you if you took Alabama's team and got rid of every single starter and had all the backups, like they'd be good, but they would not win a national championship. I'm sorry. Like that's that's what happened there. Um, so I'm not willing to write off LSU. I think LSU is going to be better this year. Um, I don't know a ton about Georgia to be honest with you, um, but you know I think I think you're underselling the SEC. Well, the one thing I can guarantee is Notre Dame will be the best independent team in the country, which I think is something they've done in the past like 40 years. <laughs> yeah, and then you'll uh, you'll back into the college football playoff. No, not this year. We're going to finish like 12th or 13th and lose to some number eight team in a New Year's six. I've already got the season prepared. <laughs> what, what, what is, what is this? We're going to finish seven or three. You're not, you're not, uh, uh, no, uh Irish. Oh, you don't know you're the backstory here. Whoa, 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 whoa. I'm no, not I Irish? know the backstory. I'm, I, you're not, you're not part of the fighting Irish. You're not on the football okay, team. Okay. Okay. I was like, yeah, I, I was like, that's I tripped up on, on their uh, mascot because it's just a leprechaun. It's a, it's a, it's a leprechaun, yeah. So I was going to be like, you're not a leprechaun, but I got confused. It happens. It's all right. I would have appreciated that. I'm definitely not. You want to be a leprechaun? No, I would have appreciated you saying I wasn't. So I feel like but, a beaver would beat a leprechaun in a fight. I mean, I don't know. That would be interesting, actually. I would take a Scarlet yeah. Knight over a beaver, over a leprechaun. I mean, I probably would, too. Have you seen the Scarlet Knight that rolls out on the horse for the home games? He's beating up the five foot one student from Notre Dame. Like, sorry. That is happening. Not that we condone that, of course. We're just saying. No, of course not. In a hypothetical mascot brawl. <laughs> you know, speaking condone... of mascots, you know what um, the March Madness Live uh, website did that I thought was pretty funny? I know this is kind of like minor, but you know how like on the first four days, like, you know, there's a lot of games like during the work day and there's a boss button in case like your boss walks by or like a teacher or whatever. Yeah, um, yeah, I think that's all. And norm- awesome. normally you click on that, it's like a random spreadsheet, a pie chart or something. But they they were smart enough to 2020 it. Um and you click the boss button and now it's just a bunch of mascots on a Zoom call. Like you'll have like the Georgia Bulldog right <laughs> next to the Michigan State Spartan. Like it's funny. Oh, it's like I, I, that's the kind of thing that I just I don't know. That I like the I like the creativity. I- when you when you said mascots, for some reason I thought you were gonna talk about the dancing uh, animatronics that have been on CBS at halftime. Oh, of every game. I, oh, I was almost I almost forgot to mention those. That's a nice yeah. touch. <laughs> I actually like them too. They're weird, but like when I saw them on Twitter, I was dying laughing. So it's so I'm out of place though, because like they'll just drop them in the middle of a shot of like Clark Kellogg breaking down um, Loyola Chicago's zone defense <laughs> or something like that. And like it's so out of place. Like it looks like, and it's not even like that high quality. Like 
looks like a CGI from like, you know, those bowling alley videos that like that play whenever you like get a strike or something. You know what I mean? Like that yeah, those weird yeah, like Yeah. No, like it's, I saw the I saw that comparison a lot. That that's really funny. It, it looked like no, it looked like um like a like a CGI film from 1993. Like it, it was weird, but like <laughs> yeah. I'm not I'm not hating on it. I find it I find it funny. It's just kind of out of nowhere. Like it, it's weird. But eh, I I'm glad they're making it more fun. They should have a they should yeah. bring that to their NFL coverage. Have a jet uh, animatronic with a paper bag over his head. There, no, there's no reason to take March Madness like super seriously. Like it's crazy. Like Oral Roberts is in the Sweet Sixteen. Like it's crazy. Just be crazy. I, I also think that you know Rutgers fans, and in the moment I felt it too. Like my post game analysis uh, following the final tip on the on the Houston game was uh, Schmid asking me for my thoughts, and I was like, I don't want to talk about it. And then Schmid went to break. Um, I'm not kidding. That's exactly how the post game went. Um, but like, I think when you look back on it, Rutgers did not have a bad tournament at all. Like they won a game for the first time in 40 years, almost, um, you know, they played, they didn't play. They played one of their better games all season against Houston. Like Houston's a team that could be in the national title game. They're that good. Actually, I would argue with Illinois out there, the most talented team in that bracket. Um, so I, I think, you know, I think Rutgers should be pretty happy considering they were a 10 seed, considering, you know, what the expectations were. Like, no one realistically thought Rutgers would end up in the Elite Eight or anything like that, right? So I think, I, I personally, now that I've had a moment to sort of cool off, process my emotions, yeah, it sucks the way it happened, but I'm overall pretty happy with how Rutgers did. Like, getting to see him win a game against Clemson was pretty cool. I think a lot of it, Chris, was after the first win, because everyone and their everyone and their mother before the first game was like, "This is the best draw that Rutgers could have got." Like Houston yeah. doesn't deserve to be a two seed. Loyola should be. Oh, a two that seed okay. That was wrong. That was just so incorrect. Like Houston, I think is slept on because of their conference. Like the the team that I saw play in that it's, game. It's the Gonzaga it, effect. Yeah, Gonzaga well, effect. now people don't underestimate Gonzaga because they've done it a million times. But, yeah, yeah, Houston is, like, if they were in the Big Ten, they'd be a one seed. I'll just come out and say it. Like, there's, they have crazy athleticism. Uh, they're really good at shooting the three ball. They they grab offensive boards like it's nobody's business. Like, people understand, like, Rutgers gave up 11 offensive boards in the second half. They held them pretty much even in the first half, which I did not so, expect them to do. So you think Houston gets out of the Midwest? Like, no problems? I think it comes down to them and Loyola Chicago. Because Loyola I, Chicago, I, I think, take, is a three seed. I would take they Loyola Chicago be. over Houston, honestly. And maybe okay, and I'm not, I'm not mad at more. that. That I might think, just be me yeah. doubting them more. But the way I've seen Loyola Chicago play, and the way I know they can play like this because they did it three years ago, makes me like think that this team can realistically, like, they can beat anybody if they play their brand of basketball. I really believe yeah. that. I. I was not sure about them coming into the tournament just because, you know, they're a smaller conference school. And obviously, they were going to match up with Illinois, who was my tournament favorite. And yeah, same here. Yeah. That win really made me very confident in them. They can keep that momentum going. Yeah, I was going to say, like, it wasn't – I picked them to lose in the second round, full disclosure. And it was kind of – I kind of felt bad about doing it 
not because I didn't think they were much better than an eight, their eight seed suggested. I knew that this team really, if they played in even like a, a high mid-major conference, they'd be like a a three or a four seed. Um, it was just, I thought Illinois was unstoppable. Like I really, really bought into that team. And then, you know, like as well as Loyal Chicago played, Illinois just did not play well in that game. And it kind of it kind of shocked me that it wasn't even like really wasn't even that that close. Yeah, something I want to say real quick about uh, is I got uh, Dijon Giroux on Houston. Yes, uh, that kid is an absolute warrior. He has yes. my utmost respect. Yeah, uh, he's probably my favorite player now in this tournament. Though um, I I I was I'm watching that game, um. Like, I was rooting my heart out, obviously, for the Scarlet Knights. But the way I saw that kid, John Giroux, uh, fighting for his team, I'm like, you, it's like you got a fan in me. You know, he's uh, he's the reason they won that game because he was able to to you know will through that that tough injury. He was in a lot of pain. Yeah, I mean, I think they're a very entertaining team to watch too. I think the best way I could describe them is imagine a team full of Jacob Youngs. Like that's how they defend. That's how they play. And they shoot the ball really well. Like, like I'm really high on Houston right now. Of course, of course you would use Jacob Young to compare something about that was unintentional. No, no, no. I didn't mean it because that's where his dad played. I'm talking about how they play. It makes sense though. It's a good comparison because they do really play hard and like to come back like that you know as much as Rutgers did that to themselves like Houston also played extremely well they were organized you know they were disciplined and I I could see them you know making a run I don't really I think the two the the one seeds are still too good especially like with a lot of the two threes and fours kind of being out of the tournament I think the ones are gonna have an easier time especially Gonzaga and Baylor you know what I don't think we've talked about yet, and I think you know it kind of is something we should talk about. How does Syracuse every year do this thing where they just sleepwalk through the regular season? It's like it's like back when LeBron was on the Cavs and they'd be a four seed and they win the East every year. Like, how does Syracuse sleepwalk through the regular season? Wait, like I saw them the at the rack. A four seed with LeBron. It was. I think it was like the second to last year he was there. Where they had like Isaiah Thomas and like the yeah, Wayne Wade on like the like they would like and also LeBron would sit out a lot of games, you know, to lower okay, manage okay. and all that. I forgot. Yeah, they played Toronto yeah, in the four or five in the first round, beat him in like five games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't remember this. Yeah, no, no, no. Um, everyone forgets it because they've still made the finals. But like Syracuse, I saw them play at the rack in December. I thought maybe they'll make the tournament, but they're not that good. And, you know, they've just really overperformed. And this seems to always happen with Syracuse. And I find it kind of fascinating, to be honest. Drives me nuts, but I kind of find it fascinating. Well, Chris, if you you look at coaches like that, like Jim Beheim, who have, you know, oodles and oodles of experience, you know, obviously this year it didn't work out with Mike Krzyzewski. But you look at guys like, like Roy Williams, like Mike Izzo, you know, I think in December none of their teams make the tournament. Like, they all looked awful. 
And, you know, it's just a testament to the knowledge they have about the game of college basketball that, like, they were able to, in Michigan State's case, even getting to the tournament for them was incredible this year. And I would say the same about North Carolina. But um, especially Syracuse, you know, how how different four months can be. That time, Rutgers was looking like they could be, you know, a serious national contender for a high seed and, like, a, a run. And Syracuse was looking like, like you said, Chris, like maybe a first four out team. But, you know, the defense they've just been running has been stifling. I mean, Buddy Behan has just apparently unlocked his takeover, you know, hitting everything in sight. But, yeah, you know, I just think it speaks to the experience of these coaches and how much that means, you know, in college basketball when it's not such a high talent level like the NBA. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's kind of interesting. I mean, Beheim kind of drives me nuts, to be honest with you. I don't know. I feel like he's one of those coaches that always, like, complains to the refs, like, louder than anyone else. Kind of, I don't know. That's the kind of thing that kind of irritates me. I don't know. Every coach does it to an extent, but that, he just gets so over the Fran, top. That reminds me of Fran McCafferty, maybe only because I saw him break a clipboard about 15 feet from me at the rack. Does Buddy Beheim bother you, Chris? Buddy Beheim? Yep. Buddy, Buddy Beheim impresses me, to be honest. He impresses you. He he plays he plays very well. He's a very good shooter. Hmm. That's probably the big difference, honestly, from when Syracuse played Rutgers, because Beheim didn't play in that game. Tough love, huh? Yeah, I guess. Well, actually, no, it was because he was uh I think he was injured. Uh, no, not injured. He was contact traced. Oh, that's right. Yeah. COVID. So that's why he didn't put. So, like, Joe Girard was taking like 20 shots in that game. That's what I remember. Gotta, gotta say, fair play to the organizers of March Madness. COVID only got one round of 64 game. That's, that's pretty. That's no, that's pretty impressive. Good. That's impressive. That is, you cannot get 20, 64 groups of 20 to 25 people in a traveling party to do anything these days without having COVID issues. So the fact that they had like one team drop out, like I honestly thought it would be worse. And I, I find myself to generally be optimistic about these kinds of things. I don't find you to be generally optimistic, Chris. Really? Um, well, when it comes to things like sports going off well amid today's challenges, I guess. In that sense, I'm optimistic. Or In what sense am I not optimistic? I feel like every other way. You mean in terms of my sports teams? Yeah, it's probably just because we yeah. move for the same teams. Well, yeah, and they're generally not very good. Uh, I hate know. to see it. You really do. Oh, man. Can't live without it. Can't live with it, right? Yeah. <laughs> I said to myself uh, all spring last year, man, I really hope uh, the NFL season doesn't get canceled. I thought that right up until I saw the New York football Jets play a game. Then I was like, man, this really isn't safe. Do you say the New York football Jets? 
Yeah. I've never heard anyone say that about the Jazz. I say yeah, I say that sometimes. That? Like I say that as a joke. I've I don't only, actually. I, I I'm pretty a sure a lot of Giants fans. I want to say Bob Shepard. That comes. From I don't know. No, no, no. It comes from um because that's like the Giants' official team name. Right. Yeah, Mike yeah, Francesa yeah. always says the New York Football Giants. Yeah, I was kind of ribbing I'm off of that. Sure Bob it was. It, used to say it on like the PA too, though. He did. The yeah, he probably does. Yeah, it probably does. Of course, now we got an RSU guy doing the Giants PI, so that's nice. That's pretty cool. I mean, The Little Giants, great movie. Never seen it. Great we got to check it out, Chris. Great movie. Okay, I'll put it on my uh, Netflix list. Oh, Mike, I finally got around to watching the uh, the Craig Carton documentary on HBO last night. Oh, how'd you like it? I thought it was so good. I think it did a really Dude. good job of like telling his story. Oh, speaking of Craig Carton, you know what? I'll save it for for can we just talk if the wheel okay. happens to land on me. But I have some Craig Carton news. I think we can like, juice I'm up sure the wheels. You know. I'm, I'm I'm I don't know. It's something I saw that I thought was very interesting. So. Okay. Listen, you got some news. You know, I got some Craig Carton stories. I, that sounds very great. Can we just talk? It it definitely does, and I mean. I'm sure. I'm Kara Palan, and here is your first WRSU sports update. After the bittersweet end to the basketball season for the men's and women's team, Rutgers spring sports are finally in the spotlight. This Sunday, the men's lacrosse team will host Maryland in a noon matchup. Catch our live coverage starting at 11.50 a.m. The Knights will take on Purdue in a baseball triple header coming back and then be- before coming back home and hosting the cross-state rivals Penn State. Catch those home games on Friday and Saturday of next week live here on WRCU-FM. On the Major League Baseball field, the Yankees and Mets continue spring training. The Yankees fell to the Blue Jays today with a score of 5-0 and the Mets also fell to the Cardinals with a score of 3-0. The New Jersey Devils won last night in a close matchup against the Flyers and look to win another one tomorrow against the Capitals. The Rangers will play tomorrow against the Flyers in hopes of winning three in a row. The NBA continues tonight as the Brooklyn Nets travel to Utah to take on the Jazz in a primetime matchup. The tip-off is slated for 10 p.m. The underdog Knicks won last night against the Washington Wizards with a score of 131-113. to the Knicks are 500 right now with a record of 22 and 22, sitting at seventh place in the Eastern Conference. Keep it locked as the crew continues here on WRSU FM New Brunswick. And- Coming at you on the Wednesday crew, we're back here uh, right before the top of the seven o'clock hour. Um, you know, it's our favorite uh, segment to sort of talk about whatever. So. Gideon's back in the studio. He's got the big uh, spinning wheel out. Let's give it a spin and see who it lands on. Live from Scenic New Brunswick, the wheel. Wow, you guys would not believe it. After all of that, it lands on Dylan McCoy. So, Dylan, take it away. Okay, so I teased a little bit before the break. I have some Craig Carton news. So, I was reading on Andrew.com that... um, well, first, I'll, I'll preface this with a question. Mikey, I know you're very close with uh, Craig Carton. How long has he been back on the air? 
how long has he been back on the air? Um, mm-hmm. He he can't he he can't be more than uh, a year. Okay, it was so. like wasn't it like four months, four or five? I thought it was it like was November when months. he came on. Chris, you were right. Okay. It was four months. Okay, so in four months, Craig Carton on WFAN has overtaken Michael K on ESPN as the top uh, drive home uh, radio show in the New York uh, area. So I thought that was very interesting. That, That's a bad you know, headline. What do you mean? It's not the Craig Carton show. Oh, no. Uh, Craig Carton and Evan Roberts. I, I apologize. but It's the Michael K. show. Uh, it's the Carton and Roberts show. Uh, I, I don't... I, even Craig went and commented. He's like, "It's the Carton and Roberts show." That's all he said to it. I saw that too. I think it's I, but I think it's like I think it's a a testament to, you know, the way that the show works and like obviously like his popularity because like he came back and you know he clearly works well with Roberts and that's why they're the best show. You know, Michael K does this show with Peter Rosenberg, who should is like on Z one hundred. And like not really a sports guy, so I I obviously get it, like why it is the higher rated show. But I just thought it was interesting, and it's a testament to, you know, how much he means to this town, and clearly how much Evan Roberts also means to this town because, you know, they're the they're the top show now, and thought it was interesting. And Mikey, I'm sure you can add, um, a story or two, but you know, I definitely well, I mean, know, I'll it's, just it's say great it was... to see him back on top. I think I think Chris. Uh, we'll probably agree. I think Craig Carton is the best sports talk host, period. Like, I don't think there's anyone better than him. No question. And you know what makes him so good is the fact that he has such a unique personality. Like, he can work with almost anyone. Like, you could pair him with, like, because Boomer Esiason, Evan Roberts, they're, they're both good. They're both different styles. You know, Boomer's, like, more the former athlete. Whereas uh, Evan Roberts is like, you know, your typical sports fan. Um, and you, you, if you guys know what I mean by that, but Evan, Evan worked... is a sports nerd. Yes. Yes. Uh, yes. That that's what I was getting at. Um, but despite the fact that they are two very different kinds of hosts, Craig Carton sounds really good with either one of them. And I think it's also worth noting that, Craig Carden is one of a very small handful of hosts that can take the same time slot with the same co-host as the person who was there before him and basically turn into a completely different show. Like I listened to Joe and Evan and I listened to Carton and Roberts. Like the tone of the show is totally different because Craig Carton just kind of makes it his own. If that makes sense. Evan Roberts is the same guy. But the way that Carton plays off of him makes it a different show, if that makes sense. 100%. No, no matter what show Craig, Craig Carton does, Craig is always in the power chair. Uh, you know, Evan, uh, Evan, Boomer, uh, they're not in the power chair. So, so Craig is the, is the driving force of the show. Uh, no matter what show he's on, uh, he started with uh, was is it Sid Rosenberg? I believe it was. Uh, 
He started yep. out as his co-host, and Sid Rosenberg was his uh was in the power chair. And then one day, uh, he just walked in and saw Craig sitting in the power chair, which is a big no-no for radio. And uh, he took over that day and never looked back. And then Sid Rosenberg haven't really uh made up really since then. But uh, he's a great sports talk host and definitely the I think he's the best in the country. Yeah, you They're know, just such... um, I'm def. Oh, you no, go you ahead. Go ahead. Chris. Uh, uh, no, no, I, I was, was just gonna, gonna say, I'm not super, uh, super well versed in like sports radio. You know, I think I've said it before on the air. Um, I'm not like, I, you know, I'm trying to get more into it as I'm getting more into the field, obviously. And you know, I really have enjoyed everything I've heard from um, Craig Carton, and I, I still like Michael K. And I think I'm just having inherent bias as a New York Yankees fan. It I is such understand. a bias. I I understand Michael why K people don't think awful. a show is entertaining. I I get. That. I, I think that's because a bit harsh. I wouldn't really say not. it's awful. I, I it's not awful, but I, I, I like I can their see show. More entertainment. I wouldn't listen to it over Carton and Roberts. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. I'm also like, I really didn't enjoy the fan until recently because I like do not like I. I like him for the jokes and the memes, but like. I can't. I couldn't listen to Mike Francesa on like a day to day basis. I no. couldn't do it. Well, I'm I'm telling you, Dylan, you would have loved Boomer and Carton. Uh, that's really the show that made me fall in love with sports radio. Uh, before my accident, but the uh the fan is, you know, the marquee place in for sports radio. Um, but uh, another testament to Craig, uh, his knowledge goes so deep beyond sports. Which is why he's so special. Um, you know, he talks about so much random crap. Like he can give you, like the, the uh, top five birds or whatever, just random stuff. And he's so great with it. And he'll turn anything in, into into a great story and drag it out and, and make it hilarious. Yeah, yeah I, I definitely kind of... can't disagree with you on that. You know, um, all the things that, you know, I've heard from him have been good. And I also think it's like a great story of redemption because, you know, he did, he did, he did what he did and he served his time and, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. He served his time. He paid his debt to society. And I mean, he's had such a, such a great, you know, comeback. I think it's a, it's a great story, you know, America and New York, especially we love a comeback story. How could you not? I mean, of course. Yeah. It's like a, it's like a movie. Actually, I, I like. Go go ahead, Chris. I was gonna say I like how Craig kind of like weaves in like topics that have nothing to do with sports, like in the middle of a sports yes. conversation. You know what I mean? Yep. Like he'll like he'll get into an argument with um, Evan Roberts about something random, like um, I don't know, top five presidents in, in a movie. I, I remember that being a specific one. And then they'll go back to talking about sports. And then while Evan is saying something about like the Mets, it'll be like, Oh, um, independence day. That, that was a good uh, movie president. And, and like, you know what I mean? Like it kind of like, it's kind of like a comedian that like uses a punchline early in the set and then goes back to it at the end. Like I'm, I'm not doing a good job of describing it, but that's basically what he does. And oh, I find no, that you're, you're, amazing. You're doing a great, you're doing a great job. Uh, actually this was, 
less than two weeks ago, uh, a perfect example. I was, uh, I, you know, I was reading at the time, so I didn't have the radio. I didn't have the radio on, and uh, my phone was blowing up. Uh, text was like, "Turn on the radio, turn on the radio," and uh, CeeLo and Evan Roberts were arguing whether or not it mattered that uh, the people at MSG knew who Patrick Ewing was or were asking for his credentials. There was this big argument going on. And then Craig just, you know, like throwing a random topic in. It just happened to be, he goes, you know, this doesn't matter. What matters is Mikey Nuggets learning how to turn a page of a book today. It's like, that's an example of how he'll throw random topics. And that's, you know, just a personal topic. He'll throw funny topics, like you said, about birds, animals, presidents. Evan Roberts is a big presidents guy. Uh, but he does a great job of weaving in and out topics that really have no time for radio, but he makes time for it because he can make it great radio. Yeah, yes, and I, I always say, oh, go ahead. Yeah, I, I was going to say, I've always felt that the best sports radio shows are the ones that don't always talk about sports. Like Boomer and Geo, they're a sports show, but they can talk about other things and be entertaining. And and I feel like when sports shut down for a couple of months during COVID, um, that kind of got exposed of, you know, who are like the people that are really entertaining to listen to it? Who are the people that just, yep. you know, are the Stephen A's of the world and just sort of uh, bicker about stats and who's better and all that? Because that, that, that gets boring after a while. Chris, um, so Chris, like, please... Please would tell you not me say you saw. Would you say he's not entertaining, though? Oh, Stephen A. Smith. Well, well I, Stephen I A. But Stephen A.'s whole thing he is used just, the word you know, entertaining for me. But you know I what mean, I mean. Someone like, who I could. But here's the thing: I could. I find Stephen A. entertaining in like short snippets. Like I'll watch a clip of him on absolutely. YouTube and be like, oh. "But it, yeah. I could not sit through two hours of first take. I could no, not. No, I could not. It, it just it the the concept seems unpalatable to me. Um. But, you know, I like and, and they, it sort of goes into my um, my my like lineup, if you will, like six to ten. I'm listening to Boomer and Geo. Then I'll download because they're not on ESPN radio anymore. I'll listen to the Dan Lebitard show. Then I'll listen to Carton and Roberts. These are all three shows that do a very good job of working in non-sports topics into the show and making it flow well. Chris, did you hear I, I think it, I think it was this morning. Uh, Boomer and Geo had a 40-minute discussion about rags. About what? Rags. Rags. Yep. Rags. I don't think I caught that. Interesting. It's like, it, it, was, it was absolutely hilarious. And I, I think, like you said, people that are able to take those simple topics like a rag, uh, and, and Boomer is a big rag guy. Geo doesn't have a rag in his house. Really? So, like, <laughs> now you can see where this discussion is coming from, where all the conversation is going to pop off from. So, like you said, Chris, those are things that really point out great hosts, that great sports hosts, when they can make a good show and there doesn't have to be a single thing of sports news. Exactly. And I feel like, I feel like you know, we, we, we tend to do a good job of that here, too. Like, for Can We Just Talk, we could talk about, like, anything. And I feel like we can make it work. 
And with that, you know. we're going to quickly step aside, get a legal ID in, but keep it locked to W. Oh, it's too late for the legal ID. It's 707. <laughs> All right. So we could. I'm we sorry, could... Gideon. Do your thing. No, you're good. But we'll just take a quick break.